Hello, I'm Dan Jurgen, and I want to welcome you to a Sierra Week conversation presented by IHS Market. We're very pleased today to be talking with Ignacio Galan, who is the chairman and CEO of Iberdrola, which is one of the world's largest utilities. It's also the largest wind supplier in, in the world. And it really is a company that is on a global basis at the very forefront of the uh, energy transition. Uh, Ignacio, welcome to CROE Conversation. Thank you for having this opportunity to talk with you already again. Yes. So Ignacio, I realized I was thinking, I think the first time we met was around 2008 as an, an advisory board. And I remember even then you were talking about uh, wind. At that time, wind was very small. Uh, of course, Ipatrola has been a pioneer globally in wind and so much larger today. What made you kind of focus on wind uh, 12 years ago? Well, I remember very well those meetings, Dan. So uh, this board, I think, was a fantastic group of people. I think it was a long, long time ago. I think it was 2003, 2004. I think we were much younger, both of us. So yeah, sure. I think, I think uh, 20 years ago, uh, right after Kyoto Protocol was signed, we have a clear vision. I just I landed in Iberdrola uh, in 2001, end of 2000, beginning of 2001. And uh, we strongly believe that climate change was a real threat. And all sectors will have uh, to be involved in one manner or another one. Therefore, we need to change the way we produce and consume energy to reduce emission was for us something with uh, we understood and is already very needed. In Iberdrola, when we make our first plan, we saw we analyzed all technologies and we saw that the, the technologies most efficient at that moment was on solar wind. I think we were already uh, analyzing solar at solar with the fact we may already thermosolar some, some plan. What we saw is not very efficient. The photovoltaic was as well very expensive. I, I, green was the most uh, uh, convenient, the most competitive technology. Was it, were yeah. you, was your background, of course, uh, your previous experience had been working with engines of different kinds? Well, I'm an electrical engineer. Yeah. yeah. And my only, my only connection with uh, electricity, apart from my university times, uh, I, it was already my grand grandfather was the founder of a small company we generate electricity in Spain, in the west part of Spain, they built already a, a dam and that uh, uh, we uh, provide electricity to 18 villages in my region in two, 1903. So I think since 1903, I have some roads with uh, electricity, but I think unfortunately I was coming from telecom at that time. Right. The only, uh, another connection with electricity was uh, in batteries. I think when I finished the university, I was already uh, designing, manufacturing, selling industrial batteries, batteries for stationary purposes and for, and for those electric vehicles who were mainly lift trucks. So I think that there's only two connections and good electricity. Well, I, I'm going to, I'll come back and ask you about batteries a little later, but let me just follow. So when you started thinking about moving Iberdrola in the direction you did, uh, how was your thoughts uh, received? Uh, what did, what did people think in, in that era? It's <laughs> a good question. <laughs> I think it's, I have to say that uh, uh, now I'm more than delighted because for 20 years, I think a lot of enemies. We have a lot of people who are skeptic about our, our plan and not very many believe that what we are making has already sense. From uh, regulators, 
avoid ourselves to sell green energy. They said, no, green energy is not, electricity has not color. I think words we are used already by the Spanish regulator. Competitors were saying that we never blow what is needed. And, uh, and people who were already investors, we were thinking that the model was not already that one. Then the good model is the Enron. I don't know, you are uh, on my generation, you remember Enron, who was already the benchmark at that time. So you see where is Enron and where we are, where we are ourselves. I think we already had already a lot of people opposed in all sense, but I think we were very consistent with our strategy and we were redefining our strategy, fighting against everybody, uh, closing our coal power plant, closing our oil power plant, in some cases against the governments. I think we have already tremendous dispute with our governments. They don't allow ourselves to, to close those plants, but we don't produce. We keep all those ones there, but do not produce it. And I think that is the, what we are today is absolutely different situation. I think, for instance, if we compare with the oil companies, oil companies were a tremendous enemy. They've been denied that the climate change was a fact and that we have to do something. Now we are delighted because instead of enemies, they're becoming competitors. Right. So that means they're in the same boat. That's great. Right. Great. So you had to stand your ground during this time when you said you had a lot of uh, skeptics and uh, enemies, uh, but uh, you were very, you maintained the commitment. Yeah, we were consistent. I think we strongly believe that things can change. The climatic change, I think, which is affecting to everybody. And everybody, we have to uh, provide our resources, our knowledge, our capabilities to transform the things in a different in, in, in a different way. And I think that is what we did. I think we were convinced that we can really produce and generate electricity uh, in a competitive manner with clean resources, and we can really distribute electricity with much smarter grids. And that is has been our model for during these twenty years. So, was there a time? Can you point to a time or a period when you saw? that wind was clearly going to become highly competitive, uh, that it was going to get the scale it needed? Was there a kind of a breakthrough moment or did it just evolve over time? Well, uh, I think you have to know that in the year 2000, there were not very many people already manufacturing wind turbines. And they were already, yes, it was already real bottleneck to have already turbines for our, for our needs. And that's why we transformed uh, one company with already interest with this Gamesa, Gamesa, was, Gamesa Aeronautics. The, the, this company was making uh, uh, wings for planes. And we transformed uh, into a wind. We reached an agreement with some of the existing uh, companies at the time, was Vestas, for starting manufacturing turbines, 850 kilowatts. And I think we're pushing this company to make bigger and bigger turbines, I think. Uh, next one generation goes two megawatts, and next generation goes uh, four megawatts. And in this moment, they are making turbines of short turbines, uh, 12 megawatts, and probably soon they are going to make 15 megawatt turbines. So I think that was already our push in modifying and making already more uh, competitive and more productive turbines. We can already use, uh, work as well with much larger range of winds than they were already at the beginning. So uh, I, I think we're pushing in direction. I think we feel that uh, uh, now we have a similar approach with hydrogen. So we right. have already decided to go uh, ahead with a hydrogen investment. We just announced we are in this moment building the largest electrolyzer probably in Europe, which is, uh, is going to be built, it's been built in the center of Spain, but we are reaching an agreement as well 
with one with the largest manufacturers of uh, electrolyzers, which is Nell from Norway, which uh, as well has already interest in the United States to make already to develop, not only to, to manufacture those, to, those uh, hydrogen electrolyzers for green uh, hydrogen that we are going to use for ourselves. We have a plan to make a hundred megawatt of electrolyzers, but as well to make much bigger electrolyzers. Same route that we make already with uh, gas, uh, wind turbines to make already with electrolyzer now. And we are already little, uh, we uh, use little words and we are already trying to make real facts. And now it's real fact that we are already involved on that one saying that we were already in the past. Well, let me ask you then, uh, you, talk, you raised the question of uh, hydrogen. You know, it's now four years ago when it was just sort of on the fringes of discussion. Now it's very much at the center of energy discussion. Uh, do you see, what, what do you have a, you had a vision for wind. Do you have a vision for the role of uh, hydrogen and, uh, and, and how to get there? I, I, I can tell you when the people start talking about hydrogen, talks about storage of electricity. And I had already a, a panel last year in the COP25 in Madrid with uh, President Timmerman, in which he was defending hydrogen as a source for storing electricity. And I was defending that that is not the most efficient manner. Then it's much more efficient to store electricity with pumping storage, hydro pumping storage, which I think large uh, using the existing dams, making them reversible, or even batteries for short periods of time, perhaps because my background of batteries makes to me already depend a bit the battery. But I think we were, uh, uh, he convinced to me that we have to look for another thing. And I think we are seeing that there are a lot of uh, industrial processes which are already, already using now hydrogen, hydrogen already generated with uh, uh, using gas natural as, as a raw material, using the process of a steel reform that you know very well. And I think we saw that that can be easily to be transformed, this use with electrolysis. And I think we reached an agreement with the largest manu a producer of fertilizers, the largest producer of ammonia, probably in the southern part of Europe, without uh, doubt, uh, for already transforming all their ammonia, uh, which are using uh, hydrogen, uh, with a green uh, hydrogen. And I think that is why we are making this plan now for one of the factories. We are planning for making for another factory. In such a way, the ambition and the, and the, and the goals we are already fixing is to make 100% of their ammonia emission free, which I think that is, that is the ambition. And I think same thing we are seeing in other processes like steel or like cement or, or, or eventually as well for gasoline refining. I think that they are, I don't know if our colleagues and competitors of uh, oil, they will be ready, they will supply the, 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 this one, but we'll be, be, we will be open as well to supply this one. Using already, uh, in the case of Spain, the southern Spain, we are already high rate, high rates of, uh, of, of sand, many hours of sand. We can already produce cheap electricity with the sunny uh, uh, areas we have in the country. So I said another day to the Commissioner of Electricity, uh, Commissioner of Electricity of the European Union, Cardi Simpson, then we can become the Australia of Europe, generating right. already hydrogen and ammonia, which right. I think is much easier to be transported instead of hydrogen. And how do you see hydrogen being used? Re do you see it re replacing natural gas or what, what, what would be the main uses of hydrogen? I, I think the first thing for me is to transform the existing uses of hydrogen, uh, which are already uh, been uh, 
using natural gas with a steel form to transform in green hydrogen already with electrolysis. The first one, the largest one, uh, fertilizers. We are already there. Uh, refining, uh, we would like to be there. That one afterward, there are already people which is working already in a, uh, in a steel production. So to use hydrogen instead, instead of uh, coal for uh, reduction of the oxide. So uh, we will work in that, uh, there this process will be there. Uh, transport, transport, they are already uses, which can already be used for heavy transport. I think the other company, which is already making uh, 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 in Spain, which is already just, uh, there is a project for making trains powered by hydrogen, which I think that's fine because there are certain lines, which are not uh, railways line, which are not electrified, which probably is cheaper and more convenient to use already railway machines already powered by hydrogen instead of ready to make a thousand of kilometers of, of, of lines, of electricity lines for Right. For right. So um, as a battery man, going back to your roots and batteries, uh, what, uh, where do you see battery technology now and then the set and what role for batteries in energy transition? So, well, I was Paleolithic battery manufacturer. So I was already in the Paleolithic. So we were already designing batteries, lead acid batteries, nickel cadmium batteries, nickel iron batteries. And I think we made some tests of lithium. So I think I know, I know absolutely obsolete of that one. Nevertheless, I think my experience in, the, in another ones is that still there are uh, room for improving that one, not only in terms of the dipole uh, to be used, we are already working different alloys for making that one, but as well in the manufacturing process. I, 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 I know very little how they are already manufactured that one, but as far as I know, they are already using systems which are very, with, uh, uh, very, let's say, simplified that one, but nevertheless, still there are materials which can be used, one material cheaper instead of another one, and, uh, and the way how they produce as well, they can already improve a lot. And as well, the economy of scale. I think our experience in batteries, in, in car, let us see battery for cars. In the moment you, you increase your scale, I think the, the level of uh, reduction of cost increased tremendously. I think we, had, we had, at that time, so I'm talking in the 70s, eh? so I think right. 70s and early 80s. I think we were able to full, almost full optimize the, the, the lines for making already the grids and for pasting and for assembling. So I think the same thing can be made now, even at, I don't know very much the process, how they are made, but I imagine the use of different material for that one can already help a lot to cost reduction and this economy of scale can already reduce as well the manufacturing cost. Let me ask you the broad question that ties many of these together. You've been in a sense at the forefront of thinking of, and not only thinking, but implementing and shaping an energy transition how has your own thinking changed or evolved about what the energy transition is? Our approach uh, has not changed in uh, 20 years. So we are so convinced that the economy descarbonized can already happen. Then now the thing what we are seeing is that the way, uh, how we have to follow the carbonization that one. So uh, uh, we have started beating family in renewable energy, as you mentioned, in networks, you, I think during this period, many of our colleagues has already divested networks because right. they thought the network has no future. So in, against that one, we were at buying and buying a companies, network companies. The last one, we already reached an agreement 
for already acquiring a PNM from New Mexico and Texas. So, which I think, and same thing with the storage. I think the storage, people doesn't care very much. I think we've been investing in our hydroelectric power plant during this period to make those reversible. I think they are a huge potential still in many countries, especially in Europe, which we have a lot of big dams to, to transform this one in reversible to make that. Because I think for a long period of time, the, the, the storage is crucial. So you batteries is fine for a few number of hours, but I think you cannot make batteries with the size of a stadium. But I think you can already dam with 20 times the size of a stadium with energy storage there. So that's why I think this is crucial. Nevertheless, I think is uh, there are technologies like offshore, which can already explain is going to play even more the role of base load. I think it's one of the, re the reasons why in my uh, discussion with uh, regulators in some countries, uh, they are why they would like to keep uh, the coal power plants uh, operate op uh, in operation uh, because they said, well, it's base load, base load. The offshore is can already provide this base load. I think it's offshore, you can easily obtain 5,000 hours per annum, which I think is practically a base load. And they are already, every day, are already, the wind always is blowing uh, uh, from the sea to the, to, the, to the mainland and from the mainland to the sea. So you, have, you can already secure that one. If you put offshore plus storage plus solar, the uh, uh, photovoltaic, which is already a peak at midday, and wind, the normalist and the afternoon, I think you can already combine the asset system, which is uh, absolutely, uh, uh, can already provide the reliability the system required. But nevertheless, I think we have to be very innovative. I think we have to make how to integrate all those things with a proper grid, with a proper transmission line, with a proper smart digital uh, system, how you can manage that with the demand. All those things have to be managed in a, in a very innovative manner. And I think that is what why we in the company we are investing $400 million a year for innovation. So right. even we are not, we are not invest, inventing the, the electricity, either we are not manufacturing the equipment, but we are already uh, using our brain just to try to see how we can already have better use of this electricity for providing the better service to the customers. So I think you, when you talk about uh, offshore wind, uh, you make it, it's almost like a separate category because of the role that it would play as, as base load generation. Is that now, I mean, it's still, offshore wind is still small now. Is that where the big future for wind will be? Well, it depends on the countries. I, I, I used to say that uh, this morning I was uh, with some of the investors I was talking. In my opinion, it's not much sense to build already a, a solar in, uh, in, in northern countries and to make win in, uh, in countries where it has not win. So uh, I think it's... Uh, that makes sense. That makes sense. No, but it happened. It happened. Eh? It's happening. I think they are already... Uh, in Germany, where there are a lot of wind, they are making more solar than wind. So which I think normally is to make the solar in the south of Europe and the wind in the north of Europe. But I think it's, it's already happening. But I think on this, on this sense, I think the, 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 the offshore has already a point, which is the level of uh, uh, the, the, the deep waters or not deep water they have around the countries. I think uh, now they are talking about floating. I think it's fine, but I think still the cost is very expensive. I think the, 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 the uh, countries like Britain, we have already just, the waters are not very deep. It's 30, 40 meters of the Baltic uh, seas. I, I think it's, it's, it's great because with 30, 40 meters, I think usually you can already make turbines with big size, which are very competitive. And you cannot even benefit all the things. 
a competitive price and provide the service of, uh, of this day's load, which I think that's fine. But I think you have to make already uh, uh, the turbines in areas uh, uh, which are not already uh, uh, proper waters for those one. I think it could happen, but I think it's better to use the resources in the most efficient manner. Right. That's why when we started investing, replied to your first question in, in wind, we chose the wind because it was much more efficient than solar. Right. I think solar exists, but solar is costing $400 and wind was costing $70 per megawatt hour. So I think it's fine. It's fine to invest already in floating. We are already working in floating as well. But I think if we have to put our massive money, because the massive money is the money of all the all the citizens through our, our shareholders, I will recommend to give already uh, the most efficient solution, not the most expensive solution, independent in the short-term profitability, because afterwards somebody is going to pay for that. Yes. So uh, obviously this emphasis on offshore, there are companies that are already experienced in offshore, but in different business offshore. What, and you mentioned them before, what do you think about the um, oil companies now uh, making a move into the clean energy space, including uh, offshore wind? Uh, as a student of industrial organization, what's, uh, how does it look to you? Well, I, I was mentioning to you before, I, I'm more than delighted because they have been my enemies for years. Now they are becoming only my competitors. In some cases, they are already our allies because we have already in talks with some of them to make things together, joint ventures together. I think there are room for everybody. I think we need to electrify the economy. The demand is, uh, uh, the investment requires tripling the investment that's been made up to now. I think the next 10 years, uh, probably we need already to, to build something like 4,000 new gigawatts of electricity. So, and I think that is a place for everybody. I think, and those ones we have been already denying and drawing against the electrification now will come, not to come on board. So, so, so uh, in your, just now, and also in your capital days remarks, you, you emphasize that where the world is going is electrification. Can you break that down a little bit, just what you, what you really mean by electrification? Well, I think there are certain ones which are obvious. I think everybody's talking about electric vehicles. I think it's already is happening. The, the car manufacturers are already making a massive investment in, uh, in making new electric design for the cars. So uh, I, I think there are an area which is uh, people talking very little, which is cooling and heating. Cooling and heating, I think mostly today is already made with uh, fossil fuels, with oil, with gas, in some cases, still with coal. And that is affecting two, two things, not only to the CO2 emission, but as well the pollution of, of, of cities and towns. I think we are seeing in the major cities worldwide how when the climatic conditions are not uh, good enough, I think we have already just a cap of the to of the which covered the, the cities, and we are already smelling uh, acid, which is the uh, uh, oxide of nitrogen, which I think is becoming acid, nitric acid. And uh, I think that one in many, many cities, now they are already putting and implementing things to transform and to uh, uh, transform the existing boilers into pan heating. Uh, uh, the pan heating is already more efficient in terms of uh, electrical pan heating. It's more efficient in terms of energy and is already much more already convenient in all time. So uh, the only thing is already to make already a rule for making that happen. I think there are uh, towns like Madrid, with the mayor has already announced that uh, for a certain date, 
they, all the oil boilers have to be closed. They are going to be incent they are going to give incentives for uh, initially for transforming those one into pump heating, and uh, and in in from certain date they will penalize applying the concept of quality pay. So I think that is going to be extended, and there the demand is huge, and that makes something behind is that uh, behind that one is already we the distribution companies the, the networks companies we are forced to already to reinforce the grid for for making that possible it's possible but i think we need to reinforce same thing with charges so when people saying that the electric vehicles bottleneck is the the need of charges i say no the need of charges is not the bottleneck i think we can put as much charge as required the point is already to have already thick cable like that one for already installing 150 kilowatts charges, higher speed charges, we require huge amount of uh, power for already uh, making those operative. One point on that, as the first thing as well, is important to mention is the fact of uh, not always uh, the administration are agile enough to providing the permits to make the things in a hurry. Everybody likes to achieve certain targets, but when we come to the to the permitting process. It takes three years or four years or even more to obtain the permits and 12 months to build already a power plant or a week to install already as a charger. But for installing a charger, probably takes 12 months or 15 months, something that you put in LA. So I think I think that is the, the contradiction sometimes that we are facing uh, all across the world. Uh, right. The administration sometimes, they are already the procedures has been applied for many years, but they need to be adapted to the new environment, to the new times, if we would like to achieve the targets, all we are dreaming to achieve. Well, uh, you you mentioned, of course, working around the world and Iberdrola is a global, uh, really a global electric uh, clean energy company. Uh, recently, you've been uh, just did another acquisition in the United States. You're now one of the 10 uh, largest uh, regulated utilities in the United States, speaking of permitting. Uh, how do you find, uh, working in the United States, and uh, uh, what do you see as the growth prospects for Iberdrola in the United States? Well, we've been in the United States for almost 15 years. I think it's, uh, it's our core country. Our investment, our investment plan, uh, more than $30 billion, is going to be addressed to the United States from 75 uh, to from, uh, yeah. So, which I think is the first destination. I think we've been working with different federal administration and we are already working in 25 states with uh, different as well administration, each of those. I think uh, as far as electricity is concerned, our major dependencies of the states, each state, they are already their own uh, uh, goals and targets in terms of renewables. They, are, they have their own uh, responsibility in terms of networks and distribution. I think they are, they, they are already fixing the level of the investment they, they have to approve, the remuneration of this investment, etc. So uh, uh, the, the federal authorities, uh, well, I think they are already, uh, they encourage that what they can already use the, the fiscal, uh, the tax uh, credits or the tax allowances or the, the PTCs, YTCs for already for accelerating those things and already helping the permits for the interconnection between the states. But mostly our business is already depending of the state authorities more than the federal authorities itself. Right. Welcome, nevertheless, if the federal authorities would like to encourage, but I think we depend much more of the state than the federal authorities itself. Let me just ask you uh, just a couple more questions in this uh, totally uh, fascinating conversation. 
the role of nuclear, the role of natural gas in uh, electric generation, two, two different uh, sources. Look, uh, I think natural gas, I think, is, uh, has already to play a role during this transition period. So I think probably, probably the uh, our plants, uh, we own some, uh, we has, has already been designed to work in mostly uh, as base load, they are going to be used as backup. And we are seeing in some countries, in the moment you are, the share of renewable increases in the countries, the hours of uh, operation of the gas power plant diminished, but it's needed for keeping already the power of this one. It's more backup than the production itself, but there's still a, a, a role to play in, for keeping already the system already in operation. In, in related nuclear power, so I think there are two things. I think today, the investment required for a nuclear power plant, I think is much higher than in another solution. So with the difference, the nuclear has already variable cost, which I think the, the uranium has a, has a cost. The operation maintenance is very expensive and the waste, nuclear waste still has not a solution. It costs a lot of money. So altogether, it's already, it has already certain disadvantage toward another technologies, which is already no variable cost, solar, wind, offshore, or offshore, non-nuclear waste, and very low operation maintenance cost compared with nuclear. You know, we own quite a few nuclear power plants, and I think we have already reached an agreement for closing the existing one in a period from 28 to 32, 33. So when we are making the substitution with those one, with renewables, we can already make the same thing. And by the way, with, I hope, with better return because our nuclear are not already given any return, even we are in losses because of all these charges and we are already incurring as consequence of taxes, the charges and the, the, the nuclear waste, et cetera, et cetera. But I think I'm not seeing the nuclear already uh, with today's, they are already a part of, let's say, political interests, which are not coming politically interest. I'm talking as an engineer, as an economist, not as, not as a politician. In terms of economy, we are not seeing uh, that that nuclear is needed for keeping the lights on. They are another solution for keeping the lights on cheaper and more efficient. Let me just ask you two last questions. One, how do you see uh, ESG environments, social and governments reshaping investor priorities and Iberdrola's contribution uh, in this area? Well, many years ago, I, I introduced in our, in our bylaws the concept of social dividend. So uh, and the, a social dividend means many things. I think I dedicate more time to explain in my annual shareholders meeting, more time about uh, what we call social dividend, OSG, you, you, you use now, which is better use the, the social dividend. What we do in terms of environment, what we do in terms of the, uh, of the social things, and what we do in terms of governance. I think in the, uh, I absolutely agree with this, with this concept. My only concern in terms of environmental is to talk less about percentage and to talk more about numbers. I think somebody which is making this very bad, they say, I'm going to reduce 50%, something which is making very bad. So it means you are making a less, a less bad, but you are making bad. So let me how many grams you are already for every kilowatt hour you are producing, or give me how many grams are you for every kilogram of whatever industry you are already making. So that is one, one point, which I think that is coming every time more and more. The another point in terms of the social, I think uh, we are very much aware, I can tell you an example, what we've been doing during this pandemic, 
I think is uh, we are supported in the group something like 400,000 people, which are through our suppliers and vendors. And I think they were already uh, concerned that uh, about the jobs. So because they don't know what we're going to do. And what we have already done is we advance orders for the next three years in order that they could already keep already the, the jobs and their employees instead of making already redundancies because they're certainly generated with the COVID. That is part of the social issue. Same thing with the equality between women and men. When I came to Iberdrola, I was a woman already in the management position, one. In this moment, we are almost half and half. I think we have already almost half of my, my board members are women and they are chairing most of the, of the committees of the board, but as well in, in all the things. In terms of a, a, a gender pay gap, so in, in Iberdrola, women are earning more than men. So, which I think, I, I think I'm very pleased because that means then the new uh, people recruitment, recruitment we are taking are more women than men and their qualification are higher. So, which I think that's great as well. So all those things, I think I feel is crucial. And in terms of governance is the same thing. I think we are not the owners of the company. We are administrating the resources of the parties. And we are already, we have to get, provide the full transparency and the full means and, the, and show that the, the, the money they're putting in our hands is properly managed and not already used in benefit of a few, but in, in using benefit of everybody. And that's why I think for us it's crucial. We are receiving a lot of recognition in terms of our governance, which I'm more than delighted on that one. But I'm absolutely in favor of all this one. My only concern on the environmental one is not to talk in, in percentage, to talk in grams. Right. Number. So, and not to talk about 2030, to talk tomorrow, what you're doing right. today, because 2050, everybody agreed. But now we have to talk about 2021, 2022, 2023. Right. So uh, maybe just the last question. You talked about the working in the pandemic. Just how has it been for Iberdrola during this time of the coronavirus? And uh, how have you managed and, uh, and of course, uh, how, and kept the lights on? So the first thing is the pandemic has already proven that our societies have to re rely on electricity. So uh, I received a lot of recognition for uh, different political sources, recognizing the effort we are making for keeping the lights on and making the telecommunications, the videos, the re remote work works. I think without electricity, the digital economy doesn't exist. So behind the, the small volts, what I call telecoms, I was in telecom as well, in part of my life, is necessary large volts, the electricity behind. So for us was clear, we have already the, the goal and the target to maintain our service, especially in areas which are crucial, like hospital and such a critical infrastructure. We appointed people just behind the hospital with electrical team, groups, electrogen groups, just for providing electricity and nothing happened. So also we've been already able to continue providing this uh, supply in extreme circumstances. We suffered, for instance, in May, a tremendous storm during uh, April, uh, which I think we were forced to keep already these lights on with thousands of people in field with 100% safety to our people. So how to maintain safety of our people which are in field for providing that one and at the same time to secure already the supply. So we implemented 150 measures uh, across the countries I think we learned from one country to another one. The first country more affected was Spain. And I think we'll, all the lessons learned here 
were already tra tra translated to another country without help to already to use already these protocols for making already provide the service with the minimum the minimum people uh, affected. So I, I think is uh, I have to say that uh, uh, the commitment with our employees was all the level of infection of our employees is much less than the rest of the, the average of the countries where we have already present. And I'm very proud that we've been able to provide, to keep their eyes on in all the countries with a level of service, with nobody distinguish what happened prior, during and after COVID. So exactly the same one. Okay. Well, Mr. Ilan Ignacio, you have, um you know, emphasize the point that it's uh, what the electricity industry, what Iberdrola does is not only keep the lights on, but uh, keeps the digitalization on as well. Uh, I know when I first uh, met you, you were kind of a lonely voice about uh, that wind was the economic way to go. I think in the years since you've demonstrated uh, not only being a pioneer uh, of wind and in clean energy in general, but also being a visionary and at the same time, a great engineer and led Iberdrola to being a, a global clean energy major. So I uh, think this has been an extremely interesting and important conversation. And I want to thank you for sharing what Iberdrola is doing and your thinking about not only where we are now, but what the energy transition will look like in the future. So thank you very much for joining us for this Sierra Week conversation. I was delighted to have this opportunity of sharing with you once again our thoughts. I think we are on the same on the same boat, both yeah. of us for many years. So, which I'm delighted to be with with friends already defending the same kind of uh, vision that for many years we've been already together defending. Well, well thank you very much, and look forward thank to seeing you in person. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Bye.